This is an adult podcast made by adults for adults. A contentious episode due to the fact that Suede thinks Latreau is boring, which greatly upsets Walter. Suddenly, both hosts are now making some of the worst, terrible, hot takes you'll hear. But that's perfect. This is Fake Film Fans. Welcome to Fake Film Fans, a movie podcast for thoughtful degenerates. I'm Suede Best. And I'm the Warden. I'm Walter in my happy podcast place. No try to kill Suede today. No killing, no murder. Oh my god. <laughs> no killing, no murder. Because I'm the Warden. I'm the jail That's warden. true. I am getting murdered by your sinister plans. By my sinister jail plans. So, I guess we should just start. We have a new segment, which is, what's the most pretentious film Walter has seen since last episode? No, no, no. no. Let's, uh, pretentious part the pretentious part walter's pretentious part thank you i needed this this is my energy of my life that gives me my soul <gasps> so then we can go back to start talking about arthur and caillou and like uh, who's caillou <laughs> caillou's dude we'll do an episode on caillou it's like a thousand times worse than arthur okay <laughs> <laughs> so the movie that i watched that was the most pretentious is probably Mr. Thank You by Hiroshi Shimizu, Shimizu, whatever, released in 1936. So it's a pretty old film. Oh, that's old. That's very pretentious. Before Kurosawa and Ozu and the other guys that I forgot their names of. W.E.B. Griffith? No, Griffith is before. What are you talking about? Wait, wait, Griffith wait, wait, the wait, Nation, dude! Wait. The greatest movie of all time! Oh, no. oh, oh. <laughs> He's allowed to say that. He's Asian. Do you know Griffith made a movie about a Chinese man in England and was also yellow-faced and the guy just squinted his eyes the whole time called like Broken Blossoms or something? <laughs> yeah, we've talked about it. I watched it because Kurosawa fucking said it was his favorite movie of all time. Or maybe in, like, his top ten movies or something. And I watched it. It was, like, normal. (laughs) 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 Anyways, this movie, Mr. Thank You, has no yellow face in it. It's actually all Japanese Zero yellow face. The film is about a bus driver who drives his bus route. There's, like, a bunch of beautiful Japanese countryside villages from the 1930s. And basically, there's a big undertone of passengers and stories about these villagers who have to sell their daughters for prostitution. That's not good. It's actually kind of a sad film, despite how lighthearted it is, because the characters are very vibrant, especially since a bus passes by a lot of them. There's this fake salesman who wears a very nice 30s mustache, like the Salvadorli Dali mustache, you know what I mean? <laughs> the big curly one, the yeah. big silly curly one? Well, not the curly. It doesn't curl. No, I know. The, like, the, the, like, it's a swoopy. It's a swoop. Exactly. And he's like a really funny he thinks he's like above everyone but everyone hates him at the same time kind of funny character in general the film is kind of just those type of existential bus movies you know what uh, i'm saying right my favorite genre <laughs> existential movies about buses i've seen so many of those <laughs> name one other movie about buses and existentialism uh there's another japanese movie called labyrinth of dreams directed by garkuyo ishii that's a fucking good movie about existentialism buses <laughs> okay so you've got <laughs> two do you have one more if you can pull one more i will concede i will take the l there's one called strangers in good company by cynthia scott in the 90s about old people 
who their bus breaks down. And then there's one okay. about a bus shooting. And then they go on a road <laughs> trip called Eureka in 2000. And then, of course, there's the hit film, Mr. Bus's Bus Adventure, all about a magic talking bus that questions his existence while reading Nietzsche. Mr. Bus's Bus Adventure. That's super disappointing, Swade. I can't believe you didn't reference the greatest magic school bus. Magic school bus. That's true. <laughs> Deeply existential questions. Why is the bus alive? No, Remember- it's not just that. It's also like, why is there no friction on the baseball field so I slip and fall? And also, do you remember that episode where Arnold, like, dies? Arnold? The redhead. There's, like, 600 classmates. How do you remember any of their names? Okay, because Arnold's the one who sucks, because he's always like, I don't want to go on a field tramp. Oh, with the glasses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I think I remember. There's an episode where they go to space, and his cousin is coming along, and he's so butthurt that he takes his helmet off and Pluto and freezes into, like, an ice block. I think I was called Arnold as a kid. You were the Arnold? I think I was Why called you the Arnold. Because I wore glasses. That was the only reason. Uh, okay okay yeah so the reason why i think bus movies are tend to be a little existential is because there's kind of a route the bus has to go through from one stop to the last stop i don't know for me i always view it as a statement on like life there's like a direction that you have to follow that you can't leave and then you meet characters that come and go in and then go out see i think about the idea of anxiety on the bus because it's an inherently transient space there's no permanence on the bus i mean it's a little different if you take the bus to work every morning like that is its own thing but when i think about like long bus travel it's like a space that is without meaning it is just getting from one place to the next but you can argue that for cars and trains and i think the difference between cars and trains is that cars don't usually have this like one route it has to follow and then for trains it doesn't feel as there's as many stops and trains also like you can do things you can kind of just are on the bus when you're on the bus well i wonder maybe that's why there's way more japanese bus movies compared to the west maybe because in the asian culture your life is supposed to be a little faded and destined and you're not supposed to move away from your route too much that's why I see it as very existential in that way. So what bus are you on right now? What what, stop what's your I destiny journey bus? Yeah, what stop are you at? I'm on uh <laughs> fucking I don't know, Atlanta. I don't know what what bus route are we on, dude? <laughs> I'm on the cookie stop right now because I bought Samoans, samosas, some samomas. <laughs> you know those Girl Scout cookies that are like chocolate, caramel, no, I don't know anything um, coconut about Girl and Scout chocolate. Cookies. So you you don't know what I'm talking about. The wheel shaped cookies that have caramel chocolate and uh coconut on the top right no i don't know anything about girl scout cookies okay well last night i bought a box of kroger brand cookies that are just like it's a cookie covered with caramel and then there's chocolate drizzled on the top and then to like make it less sticky there's a bunch of desiccated coconut and i ate the entire box last night while i sat and watched uh yeah i was super girl crazy i was modern family crazy last night like a trash goblin but so that's the journey i'm on that's the stop i'm at is the cookie stop and i'm not gonna be on there again gotta get back to my macros bro Isn't, like, a key element of this movie that you, like, he always waves to people? Yes. So the reason why this movie is called Mr. Thank You is because the bus driver, every single time he, I guess in the 30s, people didn't know that you can't walk on the street. So everyone would be walking on the street. And whenever he would drive to them, (laughs) he would have to go beep, 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 beep. And then they would get out of the way, and then you would be go, Arigato! I don't know if I did a racist accent there, but anyways, Arigato. <laughs> <laughs> Let me do the white accent. Arigato. 
That's pretty white, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, pretty not that's, racist. That's, yeah. So that's why everyone called him Mr. Thank You. Well, technically, what did they call him? Arigato or something? I don't know. I, I actually recently met some people who are trying to do a Roanoke history project. And they asked me, and I've been here for a long time. And so I told them some things. And one of them actually reminds me of Mr. Arigato. Really? <laughs> they called him the Waving Man. And he was probably not neurotypical. Probably a little nutso. Maybe a little handicap. Who knows what flavor was going on in his bean. But he would stand out at this intersection near a Hardee's all day and he would just wave to people he would wave to the cars and that's all he'd do is you just wave that's like his, his whole thing he would just stand up there and wave all day and then he would that's go home that's pretty cute yeah it was cool it was cool he was like a like a an institution of sorts like people people knew about the waving uh, man so that's what people called him people weren't like yo what's up waving man it was just like hey hey look at that it's the waving man because this arigato man you know, everyone would say it back to him. Well, no, I mean, we would also wait. I remember, because I remember seeing him most often. There was, like, some stuff we had to do via buses when I was in, like, middle school. And so I remember passing him in the bus, and all of us would wave to him. And it would be like, oh, we passed the waving man. Do you see the waving man? It was not like a, what an idiot, at least in my experience. What a crazy idiot. Because everyone else was like, look at the waving man. He's just like suede. He's just like suede. What a weirdo. What a freak. <laughs> and I'd just be, like, in the back of the bus, like, chewing <laughs> on my finger and screeching quietly. I wonder why he picked Hardy's. Hardy's is pretty gummy, though. I think it was the intersection, actually, because it was a busy intersection. It was probably near where he stayed, too. I don't know if he's still there anymore. So, yeah, he's really sweet and polite, and, and then you get to meet a lot of the characters as he drives past them, and sometimes he has stories about them. The thing about this that was really important to me, though, is it did remind me that in Goucher, in freshman year... People used to say hi to me all the fucking time on this little highway <laughs> that we went to for class. So basically our dorms were like two centimeters. It's a walkway, away. not a highway. They call it a highway, but it's like a it's like a footpath. A footpath that was two centimeters long from the dorms to the classes. And everyone would stand there and just go, hello! Wait, what the, wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. Slide back. It was not two centimeters. What are you talking about? I'm lying for effect. Oh, okay. I don't know how long what is it. What do you think it is, actually? Uh, if you're hungover, it's like a four-minute walk to classes. <laughs> okay. And we were always hungover, so it was about a four-minute walk. No, we were always drunk walking to class. You were drunk. I was hungover. <laughs> I was I was ready to be drunk after class. Before that, I was just hungover. But it was still hard enough that I didn't want to get up before... That I would always come late to class. <laughs> yes. So yes, it wasn't I didn't, easy. I, it wasn't an easy walk. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, but everyone in freshman year kept going, hello, hello. And that was so weird to me because no one in fucking Asia goes, except in this movie, apparently, where they're all super nice. <laughs> and I was like, oh, maybe I'm not a real Asian. Also, wait, speaking of that, do you remember this guy called Donut? There are a lot of Donut from Goucher. In freshman year, he was like super friendly and was like, hey, Goucher class, we're friends, baby. Oh, was he that fucker up? with the Salvador Dali mustache? Yes, a little bit. Yes, yes. Yeah, I didn't fucking like that guy. That guy was like too. Uh, here's no, no, no. Take... Can I finish my story about this guy? Though? Okay, yeah, yeah. Don't you think it's he was funny? a fucker? I didn't like him. Really? Because don't you think in three months he disappeared? He was like the most energetic person in the world, and then in three months he was gone. His energy was depleted. Yeah, because he was a senior. Oh, so he was just excited to leave? No, he was like one of these fucking weirdos who's like into the concept of their college he like liked the college but like that, that's I think why he I, was faking it he was fa he was faking it but it was like because it was part of his job don't get me wrong if you were like hey 
Suede, do you think I should send my kid to Goucher? I'd be like, well, I mean, they have a really good English department. <laughs> and they'd be like, but isn't it, like, fun? Don't you, like, love Goucher Spirit? I'm like, no, it's a fucking institution that cost me a whole bunch of money, and they just, like, let rapists walk around. It's like every other college. It sucked. But I'm glad I went, because it got, got me a degree, and I got to meet Walter. So anyone who can, like, feign enthusiasm and be like, go Gophers! Like, fuck, I don't trust you. I don't fuck with that. Okay, that's a little cynical, is it not? Don't you think as a freshman where you're super anxious and nervous, that's what you want to hear oh rape is gonna happen to you no that's never what i wanted to hear i want to well, hear that's realism. What you're, you're fucking delivering you're gonna tell all the fucking freshman girls to come to goucher rape is gonna happen to you whore no <laughs> no <laughs> no all right for example there was this chill ass dude who was from south louisiana who freshman year he was a senior and we got to be friends because he saw me picking cigarette butts out of the ashtray and he thought that was death metal as shit and so we got to hang out and like when we talked about college and like i'm being like you know i'm a little nervous and stuff like that he'd never be like no you could do it it's great he'd be like yeah fuck you man we just got to get through it bro and that dude was my hero he sold me weed once uh and he invited me to go play stump with all the other upperclassmen even though i was a freshman because i wore a trench coat all the time and drank 40s and smoked cigarettes out of the ashtray yeah i think you fucking suck because stump was the lamest fucking thing i ever attended i hate it no it was fu- did i did i bring you once yeah i fucking hate it. i was miserable shall we explain what stump is though yeah and i i think i know why you didn't like it but so stump is this game where Cause everyone go- there was like white except no! <laughs> yes and male i mean it was a very male space but you would sit in front of a stump and you would all put nails into the stump and you would throw the hammer in the air and catch it and have to slam down on an opponent's nail while holding a beer and the goal is to slam all the nails down except your own and there are punishments because it's a drinking game and it is definitely like you have to tromp out in the middle of the woods if it's like been raining and you're not careful you're gonna like fall in a big nasty muddy puddle there's a lot of like yeah bro come on like it's the closest thing i ever experienced to like frat energy no it's a little more like redneck energy so i really enjoyed it i was like oh this i remember this i know this this makes sense to me this is like what we would do in roanoke but i can see a posh little city boy can't understand how to beat nails <laughs> well, no no it's not just like that because there was some like toxic dude shit in there like you weren't allowed to bring your partner that was like one of the rules <laughs> i mean it, it was true of both men and women but it was like mostly dudes so there was kind of like a no girlfriends allowed rule and then you're in the middle of the woods it, it's definitely like not a walter zone You know, like, I'm from the South, and I'm from a relatively small town, but so I have this, like, neurotic habit where I need to wave to everyone I see or say hello, Um, and it was so bad in college, because I would see all these people, and, like, I would see them, and I would look at them, because I don't have the ability to control myself, and then they would, like, see me looking at them, but then I'd look away, and I'd be like, okay, when you get closer to them, you'll wave hello, but I'm sure these people could see the mental math, the calculations on my (laughs) face, and it would be like, oh, what is this weirdo who, like, looks at me, and then, like, five seconds later, says hello i don't even know this fucker and the only way i got over it was by putting my headphones in if i put my headphones in i was like okay now i don't have to wave to anyone especially oh and if i didn't have a cigarette on the way to class i had to wave to everyone it was like a rule it was so bad i hated it well goucher was hard to wave to people because you would know these people it's just awkward to constantly say hello to the same person oh our relationship hasn't progressed so we can't be more friends than besides waving hello that's like why i think the hello gets awkward when you see them all the time and you would see these people but you don't actually know who you are it's like oh there's glasses exactly so it's it's almost like an admittance that look 
our relationship is still awkward to the point that we can only say hello. You're talking about like no one waves to each other. I don't know if that's a Asian thing. I think that's more of a big city thing. People in Baltimore wait hello all the time. You would always say thank you to the driver. When, I mean, the bus driver whenever you left. I got that joke into me. So now I do it in Hong Kong. And when I was living in New York, I used to say hello. Uh, thank you to the bus driver too, which I would never have done before I went to Goucher. My sister also had this experience too, because she said that in Hong Kong, every day she'd just walk around and nothing would happen. No one would say anything. But then in Baltimore, people would be like, wow, those are some fantastic shoes. Mm-hmm, and she'd be mm-hmm. like, wow, thank you. They really are. <laughs> and she was so happy about it. And she was like, you know, I kind of get it. I understand. Because initially when I was telling her, I was like, you got to be careful. People are going to wave hello to you. And she's like, oh, that's so weird. I don't think I can deal with that. <laughs> but she learned to like it. Yeah, she learned to like it. So America's superiorism. America. Nah, dude, because you fucking go to New York. You go to fucking New Jersey. You go to Philly. People don't fucking do that shit. You can say thank it's you. The South. People say thank you to the bus drivers. And that's new. true. I mean, people do commute in in New York and Philly. I mean, it's probably not as intense as it seems. Like you're saying in Hong Kong, no one's talks. No one talks to each other. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we do, and I just don't. <laughs> it's a dystopian nightmare in Hong Kong. No one says hello to each other. Put on the jingle. Du, du, du. It's sway plot time. Du, du, du. It's no. sway plot time. Let's go. Is it plot? I mean, dude, the plot's easy. I say that every episode, but it's true. A bunch of dudes get put in jail. They decide to escape from jail. And at the end, one guy turns on them because the warden tricks him into thinking that he's going to get out. Yeah, so the film we're bringing is Le Troll. Le Troll. Le Troll. Le Troll. Le Troll. Le Troll. Yeah, so not the timing Liang, the whole musical, but Le Troll, 1960, Jocks Becker. I think one of the good ways to start talking about this is the characters because you mentioned to me that you don't think this film is a strong character study which is weird for prisoner films and i don't exactly know what you meant by that and i'd like to hear what your opinion of prisoner stories is then like this is a heist movie basically it's a it's an escape film but it's also a heist film i think those two have similar beats the main difference is one is trying to break in and one is trying to break out. So if you look at The Great Escape, the one by with, uh, oh, what's his face? What's that fucker's name? He's so goddamn handsome. He died in a motorcycle. James Dean, I think. James Dean. Fucking god tier. In that movie, you, like, really get a close look at these characters, right? Like, why they're in here, why they want to escape, stuff like that. Wait, what movie are we talking about? The Great Escape? Yeah, isn't that, isn't that James Dean? Is that film about the soldiers who are trying to get out of jail? I mean, get out of the prison camp? Yeah, but I mean, they were trying to escape prison. It's it's similar. Okay, it's not James Dean. It's Steve McQueen, but... Steve, Steve McQueen, McQueen that's who I'm thinking Did of. Did he die in a fucking motor accident too? I think so. Dude, what the fuck is the deal with motorcycles then? Do you they're think da- they're They're like, dangerous. No, the motorcycles I mean, are dangerous. Yeah, but is there a conspiracy? The conspiracy is these fuckers probably weren't wearing helmets. Oh. It's also, it seems like his heart was weak because he died of a heart attack at 345 on the motorcycle. <laughs> Not joking. <laughs> he mean- died at a hospital. You got Steve McQueen's death got- wrong. Your dad really likes Steve McQueen, though. I know that. My dad loves Steve McQueen. 
Um, which is kind of why I like him because I've seen a, a good portion of his movies. You know, in these escape films or in these break-in heist movies, you these characters get characterized heavily, and that way, when there's these tense moments, you're like, "Oh shit, Susie the Susie the the lockbreaker is just trying to get the cash so she can pay for her kitten's heart medicine," or like, you know, Jackson McCoy is trying to break out so he can say goodbye to his mother in the hospital. Right? In this movie, you rarely get reasons why characters are doing things, and when you do, it's almost exclusively because it facilitates the plot. You only find out about why the main character uh, is in prison in the beginning because it's a linchpin for the end when the the warden tricks him into being like, guess what? You might be able to get out if you squeal on your, your mates. And similarly, there's a character who is like super into escaping and then finally tells the guy, hey, I'm not going to escape because it's going to kill my mom if I do. If I, like, escape, the cops are going to come talk to her, and it's going to break her heart. She can't do that again. So I'm just going to stay in jail. I'm not going to squeal on you guys. I'm just going to stay in jail. But, like, other than that, you never find out why these characters are in jail, which, like, is a central element of what one would assume for a prison movie. There's a big difference between a guy who's in jail for embezzling money versus a guy who, like, killed the man that's abusing his mom versus the guy who eats babies while people are asleep. Like, those are three distinctly different characters. And we don't find out why any of the characters did the things they did. Or why, why the characters are even in jail in the first place, with the exception of the main boy. There's no backstory, basically. No, there's almost no backstory. There's no characterization. The characters have names. The names aren't really all that important. Um, there's, there's not even any jokes about the names. It's just like, oh, Men Menu is one. Menu is the only one I can remember, because he's the most handsome. Don't you feel, though, that the characters are memorable? in a unique way though like it's not hard to yes mix them up despite the fact they have no backstory they don't look completely different all the time but for some reason it's not easy to get them mixed up and i know five people is not like super difficult but let me admit something i can never fucking tell the difference between any of these k-pop singers so blackpink has four members they all look the same to me and I'm fucking Asian. Well, because they've all had surgery. <laughs> they all had surgery to look the same. Uh, they've all had, like, surgery uh, and makeup uh, to look the uh, same. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh Isn't that true? Dude, they do not look the same like that. I don't know. I know a lot of people struggle differentiating them. I don't think it's just because of plastic surgery. I think that's a bit... I think uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> I gotta take the L. I gotta take the L. I gotta I take know. the L. I don't know. I just think it's a, I think that's a weird statement. Maybe I'm wrong. It probably is. I also <laughs> don't that the only the only K pop band I know is AOA. And you don't even know AOA. You know me dancing AOA. I know you dancing to AOA. <laughs> no, I remember that blonde one with the big butt. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, Choa. He's talking about Choa, guys. No, they, they, the characters are distinct, and I think some of that is the fact that they're basically all we spend time with, but the actors and, I assume, the director has differentiated them in a really engaging way. Their personalities come through even if their characterization is, like, not all that intense. Like, for instance, the guy who doesn't want to, who's decided to stay in jail for his mother, he seems a little lazy, he sleeps, he's kind of brusque, but he's also got a sense of humor. You know, one of the interesting things the director does, or I don't know who does it, that delivers that, when you realize the guy's lazy, it's when everyone decides to work, and he becomes the exception. The person who's the leader, the most straight edge, you feel his leadership when they all share cigarettes, but he's the only one who doesn't smoke it uses this kind of weird exception four characters doing something and one guy doing something different and therefore that difference uh helps divide that person away from everyone right so like menu for example when the when the main character gets put in in the cell with them and they're like should we tell this dude that we're trying to escape menu is not into this guy he's the he's the only person
person who like distrusts this guy from the beginning and the guy who really understands how to um escape he's escaped from jail multiple times yeah he's the one who breaks shit confidently when everyone else is super scared and anxious there's always yes, one yes. guy who's outside of the group and outside of the exception i'm mean, not an exception he's just a little off and that's how they get built and it's not a bad way of characterizing if you don't want to go into background i do think though it, it has a pitfall which is that it doesn't give reasons it creates a person but doesn't give reasons right if i was going to try and like accurately recreate you walter without giving any background to who you are there are things i could do but if the whole movie is just following you without any context as to who you are it's going to be a frustrating watch for certain people which is how i felt about this movie there were parts i really enjoyed but on a whole, I had a hard time being invested because while the characters are distinct, there's not a whole lot of reason as to why they're doing the things they're doing outside of the like main obvious point, which is that like jail sucks. They're all very handsome. Which one would you give a kiss to? Well, definitely lazy guy. Definitely lazy guy. I agree. Lazy guy's got a very handsome, heavy brow. He's got like a mole. Well, he's also the chillest, right? If this dude wanted to, because he's decided not to escape jail, he could just turn on his friends and probably get a lighter sentence. But instead, he's but like, he stayed loyal. nah, dude. Yeah, and probably he would get a heavier sentence. They never talk about this. This is just like me thinking. It's not like they escaped in a moment and you could feign ignorance. Like, no, their escape job is like rough and takes a lot of time. There's no way if this main dude, if Sleepy Joe, that's his Sleepy Boy. Sleepy, uh, Sleepy Lom. Sleepy Om. Sleepy, Sleepy Lom. Sleepy Lom. No, no, Om is boy, right? Om is boy. I don't know. I don't, speak, I don't, I don't even think I speak French. What do you think? I'm I an American. I can't speak French. I, don't, I speak freedom. Dude, so like a little while after 9-11, when like the U.S. was like, yeah, all these terrorists done blowing up our building. We're going to go blow them up and the, and the rest of the nations better come help us. France was like, eh, I'm not sure about this. I think we're going to kind of stay out of it. Everyone started hating on the French and they stopped calling French fries French fries. They called them freedom fries. Really? <laughs> I don't yeah, it was like a whole thing. Yeah, dude, like restaurants changed the name. How do you remember this? Holy shit, how old were you? I, I've heard about this from people. I don't remember this distinctly, but... Um, I know that the French voted me. no in the UN, but like so did China. No, we didn't vote no, we just didn't vote. That's what we do. Yeah, you just abstain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You just sit there looking judgingly and stern. I think the person that we would have the most fun with, though, is the oldest guy, who I don't have a real description for for him but he's the one who's the least in shape and he talks the most besides the main character the main character talks in a nerdy way he's the one who makes the most verbal jokes it's also implied that he's gay how do you know this in the in the hospital scene explain that to me i actually did not catch that at all the guys are like arguing and he's like saying it's it's because you're gay remember and he's like i'm gonna punch you really <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> That could also just be him being super masculine, though, right? Maybe, but I mean, he also, like, is the only one. He, he's, he's the least masculine out of all of them. He's the one who's, like, interested in his scarf. I don't know. Maybe this is, like, 2022 glasses. No, I mean, I would like this movie way more if some of them were gay. Pink washing alert. Oh, it's time for the new <laughs> segment. Pink washing alert. Pink washing alert. Right. So which two of them would you want to see kiss? I would want to see Manu, who's like the stern guy, who's like not trusting the main character and the main character. I'd like to see them kiss. They do have a moment where they look at each other and the main guy goes, you make me feel alive. <laughs> 
<laughs> Do you remember that? Something like yeah, that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, like, it's not homoerotic because the characters aren't don't have enough background. They don't have enough depth. They're also not uh, shirtless enough. Yeah, no, the, it's not entirely homoerotic, but it wouldn't be hard to make it into a homoerotic film. And if this was made in today's age and day, definitely shipping would happen. Oh, totally, ship totally. Them with the warden, the power dynamic there, everyone loves mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. shit, you know? Personally, my favorite shit, the rocks. I knew you. I knew it. You do what? I knew you were going to say two objects. Actually, no, if we're doing objects, I ship the uh, wooden slats that they're hiding the hole with with the hole itself because that's just meant to be baby and then they're torn apart they can't be together because you know they're not going to recover those holes after they break <laughs> out they're just going to leave those those slats away the slats will never be able to be with the hole okay so you want the planks to go inside the hole no i don't want them to have sex because the, the plank and the hole are destined not to be together even though originally they were this would be like if you made a, a movie or a tv show where two characters who are destined to be in love get split apart by fate and they don't get to be together in the, the end. What, what was that Arthur term that you guys used? The he, she did it, but did not do it. He, she, who, hey, how. What? I don't know. Celine said some dumb shit to you. Do you remember? It was like he, she, you, she, like don't kiss. <laughs> It was so oh, the he, she, you, she, don't kiss. Yeah, the he, she, you, she, don't kiss. Yes, no, that's the ancient no. uh, French technique Dude, for character development. Dude, this is some literary term. That's why I can't do it. Yeah, the he, the she, fuck- you, she, don't kiss. God damn it. The fucking... <laughs> he cannot, she cannot, but they can. Are you talking about the will they, won't they? Yeah, the will they, won't they. No. This, <laughs> the, no. The he, she, you, don't kiss. The he, she, you, don't kiss. <laughs> He, she, you, don't kiss sounds like the worst D&D character. Like a little gnome who's like, oh, hello, my name is he, she, you, don't kiss. And he definitely deals in kisses. That's his he currency. definitely his kiss magic. He has That's both his magic and his currency. Blowing kisses to destroy the enemy. Has, he, has anyone ever blown you a kiss? Yeah, and I caught them. I feel like when I was little, my mom blew me like kisses before she was leaving somewhere. But I'm trying to think of like, has anyone blown me a kiss now? No, I think blowing kisses reserved for children and adults. It's like not sexual. But in all the animes, in all the animes and the mangas, where it's like the husband and wife, she who loves her husband so much, she like blows him kisses. When? Well, obviously you've what? never read. Really? Yeah, haven't you read <laughs> Okusan? 100% read Okusan. It's great. It's about a chubby wife who's great and has big boobs and loves her husband. It's a good slice of life. I don't know. I th- Maybe like at home, people blow kisses to each other when they're dating. I don't think people do it in public. Maybe that's like more PDA than actually making out, honestly. Yeah, it might be. It might be weird. You know why? Because the problem is you blow someone kiss outside. You know how like pitchers have a hard time on windy days? I imagine that's what it would be like if you blew a kiss in public. You would have to like calculate the rain and snow and the wind. Yeah, you'd have to work your angles. You'd have to do some math because like you don't want your kiss to just like blow. If it was a really hot day, your kiss might melt. Or it'll go too fast, like the heat will make it go faster and it'll like slam into your lover's face and like break their jaw. Honestly, I don't think heat makes things go faster, but you don't want that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Heat does make things go faster. Because it pushes it. Oh. Doesn't heat make things go faster? I feel like heat makes things go faster. I don't think so. Also, do you think blowing <laughs> kisses passes cooties? Do you think there are cooties in... Latrol. Like, do you think those guys can pass cooties to one another? I mean, like, are we talking about cooties as a physical or a psychic thing? I don't actually know the difference between psychic and physical cooties. 
do you know about like the idea of there are these like diseases that are like culture bound and they're often like mental maladies rather than like leprosy no 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 no. like ghost sickness is like a culture bound illness no (laughs) no there are like sicknesses that manifest in cultures that are often mental or spiritual in in background like anxiety yeah sure anxiety (laughs) sure anxiety the big the big one that people tout around is ghost sickness which is like a a a sickness that shows up is that that you can see ghosts never mind don't never never (laughs) why why don't you want to tell me now because we have like a bad track record talking about native americans and it's like a native american Uh, thing okay okay i see it has to do with (laughs) no no no, but like a psychic malady would be like anxiety, right? Actually, I think people think that's like biological too. I don't know. Well, I'm just spitballing. I think cooties is just cooties. You get the cooties and you scream and then you kiss someone else to pass it on. That's all it is. Okay, but what I'm saying is, is the cooties something that requires physical contact or is it like a mental and emotional thing? Don't you remember how cooties works? You see someone across you, they have a crush on the person next to you. So you can touch your friend and then touch the girl. And even though you're touching the girl because you secretly, subconsciously probably do have a crush on that girl too, it helps you pretend that only your friend has a crush on that guy, <laughs> girl. It's super complicated okay. like that. Don't you understand? So I don't, I don't know if you know this about me, but I mean, like as a child when other people were doing things like that i was like pretending to be a dinosaur and then when people would try to touch me i would hiss and throw rocks so like i was not allowed to play the cootie game i guess i was excluded from that because the one time a girl tried to kiss me i hit her in the face with a swing yeah i remember that <laughs> <laughs> he blacked out so it's yeah I, blacked, I hit her in the face with a swing so i don't think i was allowed to play the cootie game necessarily I, I think after that happened there was like a sort of unspoken rule which is like sway doesn't don't do that that's not good don't mess with him he's a weirdo just let Swade be a dinosaur just let Swade be a dinosaur by himself or like chew on sticks but i was thinking whether or not you can get cooties from blowing a kiss i would say that if Cooties are a display of affection in an adolescent form broken down into physical contact, i.e. you don't know what affection is, you just know affection has to do with physical touch. I think blowing kisses would actually be a stronger way to pass cooties than just touching someone. It Because it is a, a display of affection that is codified, right? Oh, I never spread too many cooties, to be honest, because I never thought it was very fun or interesting. But people have definitely spread <laughs> cooties to me by blowing kisses to me. So not like the girl blows kisses to me, but like the girl that I have a crush on, my friends would touch her bag or like touch her and then blow on to me. <laughs> okay, two things. Two things. <laughs> two things. One, that's crazy. That's wild. There was like, and what was the point? Why were they trying to blow cooties on you? I don't understand. Because the most intense cootie sickness you can get is the cooties from someone you had a crush on. It's a basically the K-I-S-S-I-N-G game, except it's more oh, physical. Okay, but okay. my theory is my friends actually also had a crush on that girl because they wanted to touch her. I got you. So it's weird. It's ki- yeah. yeah, it's weird, bad kid shit. But then because it's they couldn't like express that. It's just testing boundaries and figuring out how to be physical with each other. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and also because they're like excited someone else has a crush so they can hide their own crush. 
So, like, their jealousy comes out by, like, insecurity over actual jealousy. The other thing I wanted to say was that I did not think it was fun or interesting is something you should get tattooed on your body, Walt, because it can sum up most things that you are not interested in. So, for instance, my little brother's like, hey, look at my plants. I'm not going to tell him, like, I don't think this is fun or interesting. But, like, that's, like, the Walter, like, that's the line. That's, like, if you talk to Walter about something and you want him to respond and he doesn't, and you're like, why don't you respond to this? He just goes, I don't think it's fun or interesting. (laughs) Well, fun and interesting are the only positive things that attract me. escape the five prisoners asked to do a bunch of folding cardboard jobs so they stack a bunch of cardboards onto these wooden planks where they dig into and then they get into the underground basement cellar of jail and they cut through more iron bars and then get to the sewers when they get to the sewers they have to dig one last hole through cement to get to the outside all these steps they're done in a step-by-step way. This home is actually really tidy. Everything has to be set in order. All the objects that you see are placed in specific orders. All the work to escape feels very orderly. And even the talking, no one talks over one another. The dialogue is very no, boom, they do not. boom, yeah. boom, boom. So the whole film has this pacing that is very on purposely linear or like detailed it's planned it's thorough it's tedious my actually favorite part of this movie is when they're first breaking the concrete yes, me too. i love they, that scene the digging can be done quietly but the breaking of the concrete is very loud and so it's tense because you're like oh shit is someone gonna come but it's also weird because when the characters are digging there's not a whole lot of cuts there's like no cuts right and they do it for a really long time so you can tell the actors are actually getting tired having to break this concrete like it's not an easy task i don't know if anyone's ever tried to like break concrete or do anything like that but like as a dumb kid who wants like break shit like yeah i've tried to smash concrete it's like not easy and these dudes are just like going hard trying to break it and it's it's but it's also tedious like it's not a short shot and it's also not like a complicated shot where you see their faces and their grimaces it's like nope just some hands with a metal pry bar smashing the ground so the escape is very bruisery in a way it's basically just smashing through shit it is very detailed in the way it's shot and you feel every detail that's why all the smashing the concrete scenes in my opinion are that long the film wants you to feel the whole escape step by step by step there's this one scene where they're trying to cut off the bar and they're worried that someone's gonna hear one of the characters goes all right I'll cut, and then every 20 seconds, I stop to listen. So he cuts, 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 stops to listen. Cut, cut, cuts, stops to listen. You feel that length. There's also a great example where they get a hourglass and time themselves for how long they have to be inside. But the hourglass only times for 30 minutes. So you see them X, X, X. There's all this timing and steps and additions. I think it's unique for an escape to feel so physical and reckless. But at the same time, you feel the whole It's tedious. Method. When you watch, for instance, people trying to break into stuff in Ocean's 11, Ocean's 12, whatever. Like a, when you they watch- throw a couch into the fucking glass. 
That's and you're like, fuck yeah, boom! Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. <laughs> it's cool. When they do this shit, you're like, yeah, it's cool. I want to do that. When you watch them do this, like I, I started thinking back to when I used to have to make fence posts. I, I like I, I had a summer job as a maintenance worker, and I just remember like standing there, like tamping down the concrete in the fucking hot sun, and like hating it. And it's like I'm sweating, and I'm in the middle of a field, and all these grass and bugs are blowing on me, and like my buddy is like holding the pole, and we're getting ready to switch off where I. I hold the pole and he tamps down the concrete and I know it's going to take a whole lot of time. Like you can't fucking like half ass this because the fence needs to hold up. So you're just like out there in the fucking blistering hot and you just have to like do this fucking shit and it sucks. It's tedious. I hate it. Watching this movie reflects that. It's like Jesus. And I I think it's some of why I didn't love this movie is because how tedious it is. It's like, okay, (laughs) I get it. I get it. They're digging. They're cutting. It's a meditation on tedium. It's a focus on tedium. It's a love letter to, like, these consistent, repeated, basic actions, right? In absurd situation, breaking out of jail by going through concrete, it slows things down for sure. But it also is true that there is a story inside picking up a couch and throwing into glass and then being like, ha ha, motherfuckers, I'm here. There is a story in that action that sort of gets lost when the story when is you actually cool. just about... Yeah, when you make a core, the story's about the person getting out. Have you ever had a job that's required you to do manual labor? Yeah, fucking uh, uh, restocking 600 stickers onto the goddamn... That's not fucking manual labor, you motherfucker. That's putting stickers (laughs) on shit. I'm talking about carrying shit, cutting shit, hammering shit, never. I had to build furniture. When did you have to build furniture? Okay, I guess that's a little manual labor. Yeah, 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 that's true. I had to pull down gigantic rugs. That's true. That's manual labor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I broke a few pots. <laughs> Dude, how, <laughs> how fucking embarrassed were you when you broke something? At- I was so embarrassed, the pots especially, because I went up to them and said, hey, I can help. And then they go, okay, can you carry this? And I go, yeah, I think I can. Oh and then God. I carry it for a bit and I dropped it. <laughs> how many times did that happen? <laughs> Once. But I did it because... Because I was feeling awkward, they asked me to do this inventory. That's what it's called. You had to, like, count every single piece of item there. And I wasn't, like, getting along with anyone. So I, like, hid in the corner. (laughs) And then finally I was like, fuck this. I'm not hiding in the corner anymore. So I went to the back and was like, hey, I can help out. And then after I broke the vase, they were like, no, go back to your corner. (laughs) Dude, inventory does suck. I have to do inventory all the time at the goddamn bookstore and it kills me. I don't go outside, unfortunately. So instead of viewing this as outside in the sweaty sun, I saw this movie more like a video game. Jesus Christ. How come you're so not into this? Are video games like tedious? I guess grinding is tedious. Yeah, I guess they're tedious. You just don't realize that tedious is fun for a ton of people, man. It's like a Metroidvania because Metroidvania, sometimes you need to feel like you're grinding before you can find exactly the new place. Each progress they make, they always have to go back and cover their tracks, right? Their escape is not we're going one way. Their escape is also like a constant rewind of looking back to the past. So one good example is they unhinge this door, but they have to remember how to make sure the door doesn't lock. So that's like the big deal of unhinging that door, to make sure the door can open again so that they can backtrack. Another thing is you find these like random objects and you don't know exactly what they're about to do with them. 
But then they used the carton boxes they were doing for their job to make these dolls in their bed. Oh, are you talking about when they like use the cardboard to make it seem like they're asleep? Yeah. And these are things you don't trace exactly what's going on until after they use them for their ideas, right? I feel like there's a lot of things that feel like they're revisiting save points and then going back to like grab more items to come back and then redo things. Yeah, there is like an old school adventure game feel to it. So for instance, the guy who may or may not be gay takes two glass bottles and you're like, why did he take two glass bottles? And then later you find out, oh, it's so that he can make a um, hourglass. Yeah, and he takes sand and you're like, why is he taking sand? And then at first you think he's taking sand because he's trying to throw off the people from using the sand for the hourglass. But then he actually wants some of the sand for the hourglass itself. Can you imagine how tedious it would actually be to do something like this? People do do this in, like, Terraria Minecraft. <laughs> yeah, and it's tedious, and I don't fucking get it. You love Minecraft! Yeah, but that's because I get to watch Supergirl while I play Minecraft. If I just had to, like, sit there and play Minecraft, are you fucking kidding me? No way. And it's also different because <laughs> I, I don't think you've... I, I think there's, like, a physical element that, like, really sucks. It's not only tedious, it's exhausting. Okay, I feel like you kind of want to make this about me not recognizing class. But you know some people besides me think this stuff is cool. Like sometimes Tori goes and rants about very minute things that he thinks are really cool and we both scoff at it. But maybe we're scoffing at different things because I'm always scoffing at the shit because I think he's being like toxic masculine stuff. But you might be scoffing at it because you actually think it's tedious then. But also, I don't think they find it tedious because they're desperate. We find it tedious to watch because we see the monotonous of it. But for them, <laughs> every single... What? It's monotonous. I said it wrong. You said it wrong. It's monotonous. monotonous. I feel like that's a word we've talked about this. Monotonous. That's another good D&D character. He, she, you. Uh, what was it? He, she, you. Kiss me. Kiss me. He, she, you, kiss me. And monotonous are my two new adventure names. Because we find it tedious because every single thing we look at on the screen looks the same action. Like it doesn't get anywhere. But for them in their heads... Every single little step is progress to the outside. See, I disagree. It's just that we know it doesn't end up to the outside. I disagree. I, th I think I think the repetitive action and the way it's shot presents a tedium that is reflected in the characters. But that's a philosophical understanding of it. No, or no, no, like no, no not just a... understanding. Like, if you're trying to escape from jail, there's no way you have a tedious mentality. I don't think that makes logical sense. Maybe I'm maybe I'm projecting. No, no, I agree that the film is about tediousness, and I believe the shots are tedious, and I believe that there is a abstract understanding of the movie that argues people who are stuck in jail live a tedious life and no matter what they will always end back up in No, that's jail. not what I'm saying. What I'm what I'm saying is maybe I'm projecting in that when I saw the characters doing these things I imagined they would feel like it was tedious. Because if it was supposed to be exciting, then the, the cinematographer would have made the shots exciting. In the same way that, like, when you're writing, if you want something to be scary, you can't just put a monster in the scene. The words themselves have to be scary, right? So I, I was assuming that the characters felt the tediousness of the actions because the shots reflect their point of view. No, I disagree with that. Even if you put a monster in a book and the writing is not scary, you shouldn't assume the character is not scared. That's true. That The writing thing was that, not that, that sounds kind of ridiculous does, a little bit. It does. Like, it's not ridiculous. No, it does sound a little ridiculous. Okay, you said you're projecting. If you were in jail right now and you had to escape like that, 
Are you, oh, I have to escape? I, I just, like, can't imagine that would be your mentality. I would get tired of digging. My arms would hurt. I would be like, oh, this sucks. My yeah, arms Yeah, but hurt. then you would trade it to your bro. I, I know the movie might not present it that way, but I think there is an energy of a desire to escape, and there is excitement. Yes, the guy delivered his line, oh, you guys give me life, in a very monotone way. But obviously, he was, like, excited, no? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Maybe, maybe, maybe uh, I think I maybe too stuck in my own point of view dude i don't know like i said doing manual labor that's like not engaging when you like build something it's like kind of cool but when you're just like smash 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 dig 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 it like <laughs> i hate it it's my least favorite no thing. I, I get i get that but i can't i'm mind blown by the idea that you think if you were in jail you would get too obsessed with the smash 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 over the fact that you guys were trying to escape and you were worried that night guards were going to catch you. Escaping for these characters is the building process. That might be, you might be right. But then why wouldn't the director show us that anxiety? Because that anxiety is not important to the movie. Bad movie, <laughs> bad movie for a bad podcast. Bad movie, bad podcast. Oh my podcast. god, this negative Andy here gives me shit all the time for complaining about the podcast, but it's okay when he does it. Okay, why do you want there to be anxiety, actually? Why do you think that would be important? Okay, so for, first of all, number one, no such thing as bad movies on the podcast. Second of all, it's not that I would like it, it's that I like movies that involve heavy characterization. I like a movie with a plot. Give me a story. I'm not sure about the concept of improving a film, because this movie does what it sets out to do. I would have enjoyed it more if the characters would have been more emotive. Like, we could have seen more from the characters instead of just their bodies digging. Do I think that maybe that would have gotten in the way of this meditation on physical activity and tedium that the film was presenting? Yes. For me as a viewer, I would have rather that, that anxiety, that characterization, which has more to say about me and the movies I enjoy watching than the, the, the successfulness of this film. I'm talking about taste right now, not intrinsic value, because that intrinsic value is a waste of time because it's so subjective. But the two things that there are are taste and there's success in authorial intent, right? Like, what is the intent of the director? If you were to ask me, like, is this movie a successful piece of art? I would say, yes. It seems to have a clear intent. It seems to have a clear something that it is trying to do. And it is successful in doing that. Did I love what it was doing? Not necessarily. But that's just because I would rather watch a movie where a dude gets his head cut off. But I don't think that means it's a bad movie, right? I think it gets back to taste, right? I can't believe you made how much you hate this film even more pretentious than the actual film itself. Oh yeah, well, but so I, I think the key there, right, the, the key thing about taste in this movie, one of the things that makes this like quote-unquote pretentious is that circumvention. A traditional escape film is invested in characters' emotions, is invested in characters' dreams and wishes and goals. The characters in between breakout scenes are like talking about what they're going to do when they get to the outside right think about Shawshank think about again the greatest which is funny with Shawshank because this movie literally also escapes through a uh, hole uh, yeah a hole just like Shawshank, Shawshank. <laughs> uh, the only time you keep but, but, that, but isn't that fucking amazing too that Shawshank and this movie are actually super similar except Shawshank doesn't show you any of the tediousness at all except the fact that guy fucking tedious like the whole twist is like holy shit he did something so tedious while this film is like, there's no fucking twist. It's just tediousness in front of you. And so that's that's why I think if you want to call this movie pretentious or like art house or whatever, it circumvents what the viewer would consistently be looking for, right? It is a movie that exists in a very traditional format and it takes all of the trappings that usually show up with that that are emotional 
and ignores most of it. So I think it's, I think it's really interesting. And I think that's why taste is less important, right? In a movie that's meant to just be enjoyed. In Ocean's Eleven, right? As far as like circumventing or twisting or having a question based on the medium itself, there's not mm-hmm. a whole lot going on there. So really the only question for a movie like that is like, did you like how cool it looked? And if someone's like, nah, not really, then you're like, oh, okay. I'm not sure how much else there is to talk about. To where with this movie, I can talk to them blue in the face about how I thought it was kind of boring. And part of the reason that it's boring is because of specific choices the director made to circumvent the way the medium presents a traditional story. Does that, I think that's why taste is interesting in this one. Because taste matters less. Because the movie, or taste, maybe taste matters more because the movie is about circumventing traditional narratives that people have taste for. And it's a movie, I wouldn't call it a bad movie. I would call The Christmas Prince a bad movie. I don't think it does anything interesting, and I. Sorry, Christmas Prince. I don't think you deserve this much shit. Okay, well, what I mean, what I mean is like the Christmas Prince. Like <laughs> when the Christmas Prince is not interesting, it's not interesting because of like bad writing and like bad actors and like boring cinematography. When this movie is boring, it's being boring. Some on people purpose. don't find this stuff boring. I will push back. Okay, on that, that's right? fair. But if you find it boring, then okay. Yes, how about this? I get it. When this movie is tedious, it's tedious on purpose. When you're sitting there watching these dudes smash things, it's not like, oh man, guess the director didn't have enough stuff to do. It's like, I guess I'm looking at this now and the director really wants me to look at this. I think that's also kind of like, you couldn't do this in a book. You couldn't do this in a play. Because there are only so many ways you can describe hands digging without doing it emotionally. So there's this short story by Stephen King. It's almost novella length called Dolan's Cadillac, where the main character's wife gets killed by a mob boss. And so he comes up with an ingenious plan to entomb the mob boss in his Cadillac. And he does that by digging this giant trap hole. And it is so tedious but king makes the writing engaging by describing the pain and the agony that this like 60 year old dude is going through digging right and the sun baking his skin and the blisters on his hands popping it intersperses the tedium with physical and emotional descriptions that make the viewer uncomfortable and are like why is he doing this and that makes the end the cathartic end where dolan is entombed in his Cadillac, like all the more cathartic. Cause not only did this dude suck, but the, the guy went through all this physical hardship along with emotional hardship to entomb him. There is movie language in this film that doesn't allow those tedious sections to be completely tedious. Exactly. Exactly. No, you're true. That's right. You could talk about how much anxiety there is in the smashing as, as much as smashing that concrete is a tedious scene. It's loud and they could get caught. So there's movie language in how tense they are for that. Okay. First of all, okay. That scene, there's a fun background noise of an industrial sound outside already going boom, 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 which is really fun for you to pick up. They never explain that they're digging because the worker's noise is going to break that apart, right? But you can hear it in the background. So the reason I brought up Dolan's Cadillac is that there is like an emotional thread in that that keeps the pages moving. In this movie, the sections that feel tedious, there's not an emotional, and it's necessarily, there's not an explicit emotional drive. In outside of like the, the established ones, they won't escape jail. I think what keeps this movie moving is the camera itself. Like the fact that it is a movie is what keeps it moving. This is a movie about, not about movie, but this is a movie for people who like movies. This is not a movie for people who want a good story. This is a movie that's for movie people. Oh, didn't you say that last week? Oh, I did. I also said that. I, I said that about Pierre Lefeau, which brings me to my final point. I think that is a consistent theme in French New Wave. This was based off a book. By I know, way. I know, and I actually think that's some of why 
a lot of French New Wave movies are. Um, I think it wasn't because uh, Pierre Lefeu was based off of Obsession. But those feel like loose. The plot, the story there is almost there to facilitate like, oh, now we have a reason to make this movie. Like, I, I think French New Wave in general is really invested in the things that a movie can do that a book cannot or that a play cannot. I'm always invested and interested in pieces of media that make me whether it's a book or a movie, that make me frustrated with them, not because they're badly put together, but because there have been choices that I don't like, right? Like, that's always interesting to me, because it's like, okay, but so, like, why didn't I like this? Okay, but I think one of the reasons you recognize an emotional weight in your tedious books, but not in Latrobe, is on you, too. It's not like your books are inherently just better at it. For example, you keep calling Ocean's Eleven very cool, but honestly, a lot of people think this movie is really cool. Since we're talking about French New Wave, one of the most celebrated films for being incredibly cool is an art house film called Le Samurai, and it uses a lot of the same techniques, details, step by step. Basically, the movie is about a gangster instead of like, bang, bang, gunshot, gunshot. It's more, he slowly puts on the gloves, slowly tips his hat, and then puts on his overcoat. And that film is considered incredibly cool. Okay, so maybe this has to do with the fact that I... I'm interested in invested in creating stories, right? For me, whether or not I like something is not really all that important. What matters are the mechanics of what the thing is doing, right? Like, yeah, of course you don't like it because it doesn't have a wizard in it, you fucking idiot. That's not what's important. What's important is like this movie is doing things that are on purpose that are weird and engaging and smart or something like that. That's why I don't think it matters whether or not I enjoyed it, right? Because it's not about enjoyment. It's about what the thing is. Yeah, no, that I understand, but I think I was responding to something else. What were you responding to? I don't know. I kind of just felt like you were making offhand jabs at the fucking film the whole time. Did I break your heart? Listeners, I just broke Walter's heart. This is why he doesn't want to bring pretentious movies on the podcast. Because I don't love them. No, I don't care about... That's that's the thing. I don't really care about people loving the movies. I just get concerned that... Like, what if I bring another pretentious movie to the podcast? Are we going to have the same conversation again? <laughs> uh, if we do, you can just cut it out. Like, that's what I get just concerned cut it out. about. Just cut it out if we do. And to add to that, most people don't even consider this film very pretentious. A lot of people consider this film relatively accessible. I, I don't care if people like the movies I like. It's just like, sometimes I think when taste gets involved into the conversation... I don't know how to respond in a way to make the conversation different because I know your point. Your point is it's not your taste. You prefer no. To watch you're Wizards misunderstanding. My so, like, point is that this movie, the, the escape film, is engaging because it's people's dreams and journeys trapped behind a gate, and they're pushing through it. When people like those movies, that's why they like them because their taste is, oh man, I really like these people triumphing and pushing to get something that they need. It's bondage versus freedom. It's like dreams to a goal it's like lifting the heaviest rock this movie takes people's traditional taste value for these movies and is like i'm not interested in any of that i kind of just want to show people's hands digging and i kind of just want to show the meticulous nature of this that's why i think taste is important in this conversation okay so you it's like an anti anti taste it's an inversion of traditional values it's a taste inversion. Because no one does that with like a, no one does that with a sandwich, right? <laughs> no one takes a sandwich and it's like, well, you know how normally people like how good the bread is? How like spicy the pickles are in comparison to the meat? And like, I'm just going to make a sandwich that's just bread. I truly fucking disagree with that. <laughs> Who does that? <laughs> people fucking deconstruct sandwiches all the fucking time. And I bet if you talk to Gordon Ramsay 
Well, this is like a third consecutive time we've referenced it's Gordon true. Ramsay. Huh? Let's, no, we, we're not allowed to reference Gordon Ramsay. We have to reference the cake boss. I'm sure if you talk to the cake okay, boss. Okay, sorry. Yeah, I can dissect a sandwich. I can fucking turn it around. The sandwich is now made of cake buns and there's nothing in it. It's just frosted <laughs> inside of it now. <laughs> Food does get reversed. It's just not the fucking shit you eat at 7-Eleven. You poor loser. That's true. I exclusively <laughs> eat from 7-Eleven. <laughs> and Hardee's. Girl wave. Oh, wave. Oh, there he is. No, so there's this place I went to, uh, local to me, called Farm Burguesa. Here's what was best. And next time you come to Roanoke, we're going here. They have this thing called Toastones. Dude, I'd never had Toastones that good before. They were so fucking good, dude. They were That's big, why I too. want they you to eat like- Dominican food with me, because they have a bunch of mashed plantains with meat inside. Toastones are like-, like chips. They're just like big potato chips that are super yeah, good. Yeah, they're like chips. They're good, but they're like a little plain. I like the ones with- Soggy ass gravy, fat ass pork skin meat in my no, mashed dude. plantains, these, baby. These, these, these toast because they, they, <laughs> they came with like a, a, a garlic sauce that was like so fucking good. And then this really spicy cilantro sauce. And so you could eat some of the cilantro sauce and be like, oh, so spicy. And then you could switch to the garlic sauce and be like, ah, less spicy. And then you just like go between the two. Speaking of this shit though, dude, now I want toast. Poke dogs. bowls are fucking what you're talking about. They took a sushi and they were like, that's true. Hey, let's make the rice into a bowl and put the sushi on top of it that's true fusion food is very like but it doesn't have to do with spam musubi yeah yeah you're right i'm you're right it's because i only eat from (laughs) (laughs) 7-eleven strongly that this film is about the volatility between togetherness and individuality of humans how (laughs) humans have to work as a herd what (laughs) nothing it's stupid no it's just there's not enough meat for the story to present that it's just people digging what no the basic story is these motherfuckers are trying to do a goal to go outside and if they all work together it would have been fine but then one guy collapses and then the whole fu- thing is fucking ruined. see i think the movie is less interested in that than it is in the digging in the tedium i don't know why you think a movie can only have one point and no other points i personally find the pessimism of this point pretty interesting because i think there's a reason this movie is hyper focused on all the objects for a film about jails you have individual pots and pans that are always lined up you have the same clothes in a closet. The food always feels together. They're always laid out together. Yeah, that's a key element. Is them they you yeah, have to share. There's a type your food. of togetherness. Yeah, no, totally, totally. But at the same time, despite the fact is these clothes are lined up in a way that you can feel the solitariness of them. I would juxtapose that to the jail cells, where there are tons of jail cells when you look outside in the hallway where the guards walk, and each cell they're lined up. There's a distinct pattern of these cells where they look like they're part of a same system, but it's a jail, so they're isolated. That one scene that you brought up about food is a really good example because while they're sharing their food, they have all these individual boxes that they've been folded up and they have stacked them together to create a table. And while they're sharing their food, they're still using individual plates and 
eating on individual bread and eating in individual yeah, cups. Yeah, Walter, that's all. That's all meals. That's all meals. That's not true at all. What are you talking about? Most meals are filmed to individual close-ups, and then they switch to the next person talking. But this scene was shot with a wide pan, like a last summer kind of painting vibe. I feel like the way the screen was panned for five people, it felt very individual, despite the fact they were eating together. The scene wasn't awkward, even though it was the first time they were filmed together. And in the context of the film, they were bonding. But I think like the filming wise of it, even though they were sharing food, there was so much silence and distance in that scene. No, I'm actually convinced this scene actually looks like the Last Supper painting because that painting is famous for that sense of betrayal, despite the fact the painting is depicting a community meal. Hmm. I don't feel like that scene felt very community and bonding. Okay, okay. Like, I felt like there was a bit of, like, this person is here, this person is here, this person is here, this person is here, this person is here. I don't feel like, hey, my friends, let's fucking, we're sharing because we're, like, family. Okay, you want to know the real problem with this podcast? We do it early, and so when we start talking about food, um, I haven't had breakfast yet, and I'm like, God, I'm so fuck. Like, right now, I would, like, literally kill for, like, a burger or, like, those toastones or something. You like, just I would, I would like so fly. many fucking cookies last night. Yeah, well, I'm still... Bitch, don't talk to me about, like, <laughs> overeating. Are you kidding me? Yeah, you eat so much fucking food. I'm talking a Big Mac, chicken McNuggets, filet of fish quarter pounder large fries all eaten in one go you have no you have no get, get off your fucking high horse yeah because i'm not a loser i'm not a loser either i ate the most cookies i'm the premium cookie boy no sweets is not even a real food it's cookies what suck. are you talking about cookies all are great suck. any dessert people here you're so american no. go away dude what are you talking about europe is like full of desserts okay you're so western and the middle east in the Middle East. Okay, you're so not me. <laughs> you're so not. I mean, baklava, kanafa. Like, what are you talking about? No, Asia has desserts too. All right, so here's what I will say though. Last night, after I finished all those cookies, I was like, I need something salty. You know, I opened up a bag of salsitas. You know, I ate me a bag of chips before I went to bed because I needed some salt. Uh, Sweet is not a finishing. Uh, chips what? are not real food either. Chips are good. <laughs> I ate them in my bed. Chips and cookies are real. It's fine. Yeah, ooh, chips and cookies from my belly. Do you want to know what I ate last night? Sure. So I, I, I made myself a steak. And then I cut it up into little cubes. And then I made kimchi fried rice with some leftover rice I had. Kimchi pickled vegetables, dude. Fucking gojujang is fucking so good, dude. I was... The little mushrooms. I finally found good kimchi. There's no good kimchi at the Kroger I shop at. The Asian market we went to, I got the kimchi from there. Fucking phenomenal. Fantastic. All right, look. I love Korean food, so don't fucking get all twisted, fucking Koreans. But... <laughs> You guys don't really cook much food. You kind of just do the same thing. No, but everyone does. Everyone does. Everyone (laughs) does that. That's like all food. Like, unless you're like eating like fancy ass art cuisine where it's like, oh, these are like decorated pickerel mushrooms fried in a miso soy glaze. Like, most of us are just like, put some ingredients together, fucking cook that shit. It's good. That's a good point. Sorry, Koreans. Chinese, the same. Except we eat dog and cat. I'm sure that they're. I'm and sure they're brain and barefoot and oh, snake. Dude, dude, I was reading about that bear paw shit, man. People are <laughs> unhappy about that. People think that's some <laughs> fucked up shit because they keep the bear. It like, is fucked up. I don't know where I would get it though. That's like the thing. It's probably some fucking remote ass 
place. I, it's probably not remote. It's probably very expensive. Anywhere where there's bears, you probably have to go to the woodsy parts of China. Yeah, pandas. You just have to go to the Hong Kong Zoo. Just go to the Hong Kong Dude, <laughs> if you went to a zoo, what is the animal you would eat first? This is Suede Best Eaton Zoo. Hi, folks. Welcome to my Eaton Zoo. And you can come through, and it's full of all different kind of el- animals, from elephants to, like, otters. And you're allowed to pick an animal and be like, I want this. I would like you to cook this for me. It's going to be boring. I just want pork. <laughs> come on, play with me. Come on, come on, play with me in the space. Oh, look. Oh, I'm throwing you a ball. We're playing. Play with me in the space. Okay. The problem is you don't want an animal with a lot of muscles. Wait, why not? Because muscles are not fun to eat. You wouldn't want to eat like an elephant ear or like an elephant no, tail? No, elephants, elephants sound so gross. They sound like way too much muscle. You don't. You wouldn't want to eat an elephant's trunk? You wouldn't want to like hippo. slow... Ooh, hippo would be good. Eat the jaw meat, slow roast that jaw hippo No, meat. the belly. What are you talking about? What fucking animal have you ever eaten their jaw? Oh, it would be like pork belly kind of, huh? Yeah, pork belly soup probably. You can even boil the swamp up. Yeah, cook it in its own swamp water. I don't know. I feel like I'd want to eat an elephant's trunk. I feel like I'd want to slow roast an elephant's trunk barbecue style till it got all nice and tender. That does not sound good. I mean, how many noses do you like eating? Well, but my nose is all cartilage. Elephant's trunk has muscle because it can move. Pigs have good snouts. Do you like eating pig nose? No, because it's not muscle. It's just cartilage. Should we check if the elephant's nose has a lot of muscle i mean if you want it inherently has more muscle than my nose because it can move and pick up objects well yeah that i understand it just sounds like maybe there's more cartilage in it than you expect well you wouldn't eat the cartilage part you would just get the meat from it yeah i don't think a trunk would taste bad but i think you're severely overestimating large animals and muscle here isn't like most of the animals we eat are pretty small also, pig nose is a delicacy because there's so much fat in it. Okay, well, I've never eaten a pig nose. Okay, well, that's what I mean. I just feel like noses are, like, not very popular. Well, and that's why I was also thinking an elephant's tail. You know, it's like, be like oxtail, elephant tail. Okay, a tail could be interesting, yeah. I mean, we could go real dark and be like, oh, man, I'm going to eat a baby elephant right after it comes out of the womb. <laughs> right after it's born. That's what we do with cows. I don't. I don't eat veal. Which is, okay, let me take some step backs. I don't eat veal because it's expensive, not because it's, like, morally wrong. Because, it, it, I mean, it is morally wrong, but so is fucking what we do to regular cows. Factory farming's fucked no matter how old the animal is. But I don't eat veal. I just, I've never had it. You know what I do eat that's a baby that I guess people can crucify me for? What? I eat baby pigeon. <laughs> Where Sorry, do you eat guys. baby pigeons? Where do you eat baby it's pigeons? It's a very popular dish in Hong Kong that I always fucking forget it's a baby. I'm always like, oh my god, pigeon, let's get pigeon. And I keep forgetting it's like baby pigeon. It's it's fucked up. It's fucked up. We're eating animals. Anyone who thinks anyone who thinks eating a baby animal is more fucked up than eating a regular animal is an idiot. <laughs> it's all fucked <laughs> the up. The big takes are coming, baby. The, let's the go. hot takes. No, it's true. <laughs> fucking like the only time it's like less I mean, it's less fucked up if like you have this cow that's like getting that's like been out in a field its whole life and then it dies and then you eat it it's not where people's animals come from folks when you eat that fucking steak that you bought from the heb mart motherfucker that thing's been in the cage his whole life unless you get like free-range grass-fed fucking good cow Dude, the people who have a problem with people eating babies are not the people who are eating fucking the adults usually people who have problems with you eating babies are the people who also have a problem with you eating adults they just will increase the problem with the babies more but see that's crazy because it still sucks <laughs> for the adults <laughs> 
like, like no, but that for would, them, they then yeah, their point would be like just quit everything. Then okay, what I'm saying is why harp on the baby this thing? Is such more? an edge lord. Just because it's a baby doesn't mean its life sucks any less. If anything, you're doing okay, that animal dude, a favor because because it has to live less. I mean, I agree. I feel that way for humans. I don't know why people are so protective of children. <laughs> <laughs> if you yeah, really so want good. me to activate my edgelord, then yeah, the Rob Elementary School shooting wouldn't be on the news for so long if it wasn't for the children. That's just the way the world works, dude. Alright, for our 250th episode special, Walter's gonna hunt down and eat a child. <laughs> I'm not gonna eat the child, but I'll hunt three kids. Okay, you'll hunt three kids. What will you use to hunt them? A sword? Gambling. <laughs> You're going to get the kids so addicting to gambling that they die. Yeah. I mean, that is the big Twitch drama right now. Don't get the kids addicted to gambling. Which is so stupid. That's what loot boxes are. If we're doing hot takes, you know what loot boxes are in Fortnite? Just fucking gambling. Eat my asshole. That's Uh, not a hot take. Everyone knows this. Okay, it's not a hot take. Um, the food in this movie, one of the key ways the characters prove that they're, like, not gonna fuck each other over is they start sharing all the food they get from the outside. Well, actually, a better example of this might be, remember the scene where they were getting coffee? He gets the coffee from a really big coffee cup and then pours them into five little coffee cups. So you're taking this big thing and you're splitting it apart into individual stuff, despite the fact they're all coffee. No, you are right. There is there there is a lot in this movie that reflects that as much as we work together, we are in the end individuals, which is what you see at the end. The characters don't work together while they're digging. They all take shifts, too. They work individually to a common goal. That's actually a great point, too. Yeah, they are all working on this project, but the hands, the digging, is always shared to the next person, to the next person, to the next person. I think this movie tackles the scariness of like working on a team and then how it can easily break because of... I don't know, this individual thing that humans have sometimes. It just breaks apart fucking projects. No, you're right, you're like right. this podcast. You and me, we fight and cry, and it's all over. If anyone cries, it's, it's me. I'm the one who cries. <laughs> 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 what does he mean to me again? Why doesn't he like the podcast? I was reading a lot of reviews, and people kept talking about this movie being about intense imprisonment. But I almost feel like it's even like larger, where it's about explaining organisms or organizations mm-hmm. yeah no, that's totally I, true. I, I personally like extrapolated to that where i see a type of statement about every single organization that exists in this world but like the bonds are fucking goal-based yeah they're transient bonds they're bonds that exist only to a goal there's nothing ontological about connections the bonds yeah and it's pessimistic in that way i definitely feel i did think the one thing that broke it up a little bit is the fact that at the end when uh gino that's the fucking lazy guy's name yeah so he was like i'm staying then they all like bro fist and they like hug each other and then he doesn't hug the main character because the main character is going to betray them maybe that's like no the rest had true bonds he didn't that is a- another film history thing every we found treasure movie is that there are so many westerns where people shoot each other over the gold no that's fair i just personally think even though you're right that all adventure films have that type of backdrop in the back this feels very organizational based while a lot of adventure stories feel very adventure based it's like yes no the, the the backstab does not come out of a place of plot twist the backstab comes out of a very genuine real thing that would happen it's not like when fucking you know like captain swordman is like brother shield boy are you here to protect me and then he's like but i had to and then he betrays you right this is like no this is what people do because they suck because they're flawed organisms. It's it is it is an authentic betrayal, and it is authentic something core betrayal. to. Authentic betrayal. 
The favorite word. Authentic <laughs> betrayal. <laughs> yeah, to be honest, I heard this was based off a true story, so I guess that's why we can actually use the word authentic here. Okay, last question. Look around you. You have a lot of objects around you, so it's a little unfair. But since we're talking about objects, if you had to escape from jail right now, what type of objects in your room could you use to escape? I have broken lamp. There's so much that I could use there. But the main thing is the, there was like a glass case hiding the bulb. So I've got just like sharp shards of broken glass. Motherfucker, if I wanted to escape, you know what I would do? It's time for toxic masculinity corner. That's right. <laughs> I know I have a wooden stick somewhere in here. So I would just tie the glass and turn it into a blade. And then when the guard would come in, slash his throat. The real problem with Swade's jail cell is not that he doesn't have enough stuff. It will be that he can't find his stuff. Yeah. Like, oh, where's my wooden stick? He'll I know. Never- be like, I have all these plans, but how do I escape? <laughs> if we're talking about digging, I think I would probably go with... I feel like one of my, oh, what are they called? They like hold books together, it's, but it's not a bookshelf. It's like bookcase a thing, book you know holder? what I'm talking about? A book holder. A book holder would be good because mine are thin, so they're bendy. So you could like bend it into the shape you need to dig. You could also just scrape with it. You think you could dig concrete with that? No. So it would be a two-fold tool because I would need that, but I would also need something heavy. What would I use to break the concrete? My head. My fists. I would just punch <laughs> it until finally it broke. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I would use. I mean, more than likely, there's a screwdriver somewhere in my room. I guarantee there is. But there's also- so this is kind of like <laughs> there's also mice. There's also mice. <laughs> I would train the mice. I would train the mice that live in my couch to scream. Like the me from rats of nymph. Exactly. Rats of nymph. Yeah, that's what it is. I would like whistle for them, like. <laughs> That's not rats and nim. No, I know. I'm talking about what I would do. What is that called? The Pied Piper? The Pied Piper, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about you? What would you use to escape? There's a lot of context, right? So my opinion is that jail is usually a very toxic masculine place. <laughs> so I think this can work. It might be a little transphobic and it might be a little sexist, but I think it could work. Okay. I have a bit of tissues right next to me. It's a little empty. It's actually very empty. So if I masturbate, I'll actually run out. But I have four or five tissues, and then I'm going to wave them around like a little like a Chinese bride, you know what I mean? And go, oh! <laughs> sure. And hopefully I seduce <laughs> the security guard so he lets me out. Okay, okay. So you're going to be sitting there, like, with your legs spread open, casually scratching your ball sack with the other hand, being like, oh, oh! And he's going to be like, ooh, look at that little nice face, and he's going to look and down. And maybe I might add some da 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 some AOA heart attack in it, you know, baby? Oh, do an AOA dance <laughs> i think i'm like actually gonna get out faster than you uh i think you would be someone's prison bitch in a heartbeat walk <laughs> <laughs> wow uh, toxic masculinity do you want to do more toxic masculinity corner because i was thinking about how jacked i would be if i went to jail because i would just work out all day <laughs> with what your your, your jailmates you just like put do push ups and sit ups and stuff like that all day. So you just do chest ups with your jailmates. You're like, Bob, come over. I'm using you right now. Well, yeah, you do push ups. You do sit ups. You do, you know, you do like personal workout. I thought guards don't let you do that. I thought they'll beat you when you do that. I think you can only walk around the wall. I mean, I think you're allowed to do whatever you want while you're in your cell as long as it's not trying to escape. Uh oh. Isn't right? I don't actually. Neither know. of us have been to jail, so I don't know. <laughs> that's, what, that's what Uncle Iroh did in Avatar: The Last Airbender. Is he just got jacked all the time so that he could escape from jail? I feel like if that was the case, why do so many people who come out of jail are not jacked? How many people do you know who have come out of jail? Walt? Zero. 
<laughs> That's one of my favorite running goofs in this show. It's just like Walter will say something and then I'll be like, okay, but wh- where where does this idea come from? And you're like, I just kind of thought of it. Because I know a lot of dudes who, get at, who, who have been in jail and are jacked because of it. Well, I guess you'll have to go to jail then. What do you mean? I'm already super jacked. Uh, All right. What, do you, what would you do to go to jail? <laughs> I would steal a kiss. I would kiss the Christmas prince. Here are some crimes I don't think are that bad. Stealing from big corps. Uh, I honestly don't think public nudity is that bad, but I think most people are saying it's like sexual harassment, right? So It is. It is. It is. There are a lot of people who don't, who have bad baggage with penises and, and naked bodies in general. Yeah, I guess not many other crimes I'm like very down with then. Uh, what about uh, what about public graffiti, public defacement? Dude, I feel like if I did public graffiti, jail would be the last consequence of the world. It would be my graffiti. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, what about stealing people's dogs? <laughs> That's just stealing. <laughs> but stealing them, th- stealing their dogs, so that a few days later they can give them back and they know that warmth and that joy of getting their dog who'd been missing back. That's a good crime, right? And then you get some money for it after they put out the reward. Yeah, yeah. I get a five hundred dollars because I brought Susan back her fucking schnauzer. Then killing someone is not that bad too. I can just chop off someone's head, put it back on, and then keep it in the attic. So then when they accidentally stumble to the attic, they're like, "Mom, you're still here." Yeah, but they'll be dead. It's different. There's a there's an intrinsic. I can't bring Susan her dead schnauzer and be like. Money, please. I have to. I have to like bring her her live schnauzer that she's excited about. Your viewpoint in reality is so warped. Is so crazy. You you live. You you your life is under a fish island of understanding. Fish island. <laughs> fish island. Let's go to fish island. Is that not what you said? No, I said fish islands. Fish islands, not fish island. Okay, I've never heard that. Song. No, let's talk about fish island. Who's the mayor of fish island? Have you read Rainbow Fish? Yeah, the, the fish who like gives out all his scales because everyone loves his scales. And in the end, he's like, oh, I don't have any scales. But all my friends do now, so I guess it's okay. Which doesn't make any sense. <laughs> what the fuck, Rainbow Fish? What the fuck? That's probably the mayor. <laughs> <laughs> the mayor is Rainbow Fish. That's how he got elected. He gave everyone his scales. And they were like, now you're the mayor. <laughs> Shout out to new Twitter followers. Maddie Ross has been liking our tweets. She's fantastic. Totally great human being. Go ahead and follow her if you want. And then we also got followed by a local horror author, uh, local to Virginia, Paul Lebegzewiski, spelled L-U-B-A-C-Z-E-W-S-K-I. Totally cool dude. Totally hilarious. Sounds Polish. I mean, I guess. Can we... Can you not... Can you not harass our new Twitter followers, you asshole? But he he's big on the indie horror scene. I was talking to him, and apparently he's working on a new extreme horror uh, novel. So check him out. Again, I want to apologize for Queen Elizabeth. I'm sorry we killed you with our good, good jokes. That was on last episode. Uh, uh Uh-oh! It was on the last episode!
<laughs> if you got one of our bookmarks and are listening to the show because of the bookmark, hell yeah, congratulations, you're one of the cool people, go ahead and shoot us a tweet. Tweet at us, like, hey, love your bookmark, love your podcast. Or like, hey, I love your bookmark, but I hate your podcast. Because Walter does not think it's an effective marketing tool as I do, but I disagree. Because I'm a, I'm a Chad, and I understand statistics. And I just don't know if anyone has messaged us about it, so... I mean... Part of the reason Paul must have followed us is because I gave him a bookmark. So it is working. So it Paul, is- please message us and let us know. Then I'll be more convinced. <laughs> I don't even know if you're real. That's the problem. I know you're a famous local Roanoke author, but from what I can tell, Roanoke is fake. It might be imaginary. He and everyone else in Roanoke is a figment of Walter's Hong Kong. USA might not be fucking real, to be honest, now that I'm back in Hong Kong. Maybe I just woke up from a fucking month of a dream. I gotta wake up. I gotta wake up. Forget my name. Go ahead, like us, follow us on Twitter, email us at fakefilmfans at gmail.com. Just share the episode. If you have someone right now who you love, share them an episode. If you have someone who hates homeless people, share them the gummo episode. It's a good episode. I like that. That's like my favorite episode. Or the episode where I was fucked up on Dayquil or Nyquil. I thought that's a pretty good episode. If they hate homeless people, they're not going to get convinced about you crying about gummo. No, but they'll be they'll be forced to reckon with their own caustic nature. They'll just be like, you're a loser. They'll no. call you a bot of the government. No, the government hates homeless people. I'm a bot of something else. Yeah, but for the people who hate homeless people, they think the government is helping the homeless too much. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Did we talk about that's that we true. hit 21 five-star ratings on Spotify? No, we didn't. We are, we're up at 21. Holy shit. Come on, folks. Keep it up. Just so you remember, you can't rate on the fucking computer. You have to read on your phone, and I don't know why that is the case. It is very fucking weird. I would like to apologize. I listened to the Supergirl episode, and I was like, man, I sound like a real asshole. So uh, from now on, this pussy bites back. Uh, yeehaw, queen. Yes, yeah, yeehaw, queen. <laughs> yeehaw, uh, yeehaw for the queen or perish. The last thing we should actually shout out, despite the fact that I f- am fucking mean to swayed about the statistics, it is a milestone. We have finally hit over a thousand plays all time. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah, folks. One thousand plays for one thousand gays on one thousand days. We're so good. Yeah. You hate rhymes. You hate it when I rhyme. How many episodes do we have again? 32. So 32 divided by 1,000 is we getting 6,000 plays a day, dude. That's crazy. Yup, 6,000 <laughs> plays a day. Exactly right. So thank you, everyone. My little Dijans. All 6,000 of my little Dijans. I thought we were calling them fake fans. I thought we were calling them fake fans, (laughs) not my little Dijans. It might take me a little time to adjust. All my fake fans out there? All 6,000 my fake fans. Actually, let us know. What do you prefer? Fake fans or my little Dijans? Or both. So gross. So gross. Thank you for listening. We love you. Just remember, if you're going to watch a movie, go ahead and do it with the lights off. Oh, my God.